0: Welcome to Between Two Curators, the podcast where two friends and, well, curators discuss art, life, and what or rather who inspires them. I'm Cliff.
1: And I'm Jen. And in this episode, we speak with wonderful retail connoisseur Zia Zareem Slade, Customer Experience Director at Fortnum & Masons. Hi, Zia. Hello. 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 Nice to see you. (laughs) Nice to see you too. Um... We like to get started and deep dive, um, and we thought that perhaps we could start off with customer experience director. What does this <laughs> mean? <laughs> and um, from that question, also, what led you into this
2: role? This wonderful <laughs> title. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> it's a it's a checkered story, that's for sure. Um, but we love so, those. We love those. <laughs> So I am the customer experience director and I think um, suffice to say, uh, my job is fundamentally about joining dots up mm. and ensuring that the brand of Fortnum & Mason is uh, delivering a consistent customer experience, yep. but also a consistent brand experience um, and, 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 You'll find customer experience directors in other organizations, but I think um, often they are people who look after digital or multi-channel mm. and that's that's the kind of extent of it. Whereas my role here is um, very different because whilst I look after all things digital, I also look after the business strategy, mm. the brand strategy, and all creative. So that's comms, VM, Windows, um Content, you know, the whole all caboodle, really. So, <laughs> so it's sometimes I just think it my job title is a bit of a catch all for you know <laughs> stuff because <everything>. <laughs> for everything. <laughs> um, and, of course, it allows people to go, well, it affects the customer, so it must be your responsibility. Um, so,
0: but, <laughs> Which is everything, pretty much.
2: <laughs> but, Lisa, um, so what sits outside of my remit are things like product development, although I oversee all packaging design and, obviously, I'm pro- probably quite irritatingly for my colleagues, in some of the product development too. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic role and, and obviously, an incredible brand to, to kind of get to work on. My um, route to getting this job is kind of um, slightly interesting because I started out life really in e-commerce in digital mm. many many moons ago, so back in the late 90s, um, when in the UK when e-commerce was just taking off, yeah. I worked for an, a, a retailer um, that is now no more, um, uh, who sold kitchens online. I won't I won't name them. Um, and of course, I remember at that time uh, the board saying, "Oh, this internet thing, it'll go away." And then, <laughs> you know, it's that classic, that classic view of the world at that time. Yeah. And then, and of course, who on earth would buy a kitchen over the web? Right. So that yeah. was obviously a the, lot the discussion. And we had, you know, even back then we had little planning tools, and we worked out that actually customers who. Used an online planning tool that then had a experience in the store with one of the consultants, spent more money than if they just walked off the street into the store. Um, So it was kind of the beginning really for me of a real passion around digital and experience and engaging with people Mm. through what was then a new and different medium. And that's kind of where I started life. I spent a long time there and then went off to agency side and worked with, you know, I've been privileged enough to work with a huge amount of fantastic brands from Virgin Atlantic to John Lewis to Tesco. Wow. To, yeah. so, so lots of kind of great experience, um, but always around that um, sweet spot of understanding how you take digital and technology and kind of at, predominantly at that time web And you make that meaningful against whatever your brand or business strategy is. So how do you join those dots up? Um, And, you know, I I work with the technology team. You know, I've written bits of code in my time and all that good stuff. Um, uh, But but yeah, that was kind of what I spent then a long time doing. And then um, I remember... One day sitting in an agency that I work with and, and it was the morning that the Selfridges uh, big e-com site went live. Yeah. Um, I had a look and a little bit of me was like, oh, no, what have they done? Because as a Londoner with a deep passion for the Selfridges brand, you know, this exciting, sexy, interesting organization, I'd kind of done ed- every user experience thing wrong yeah um and use technology Mm -hmm. it was it was trying to be cool and be an outlier and of course all that did was frustrate lots of people um and then eventually I got a call to go and talk to them about how the agency I work for might be able to help um and a few weeks later I got a call to see if I fancied to going and becoming their head of online and of course a brand Mm -hmm. that I loved in a situation that wasn't so positive that was where I felt I could really make a difference and make an impact as opposed to going and working for a retailer who who was getting it right and kind of already um had big programs of change set up and all those things so that's what I went off to do um and I absolutely loved it and um you know gladly Uh, uh, hopefully managed to make an impact in in what they were doing, given that they still trade online now. Um, I'm hoping there was some (laughs) positive, positive uh, steps there. Um, And then, and then I went off and had a baby. And in my time having a baby, I um, spoke to uh, the CEO of Fortnum Mason, New Inventors, who had been my boss originally at Selfridges. And we got in a conversation. One of my big frustrations always actually was, um, you know, when a brand makes all these promises about how sexy, yep. cool, and fun it is, and then somewhere in an operation, it doesn't quite live up to that. And I think we've all experienced, we're probably all still experiencing, experience that kind of experience gap yeah, um, mismatch, in yeah. brands, that complete mismatch of an expectation. Um, and so he said, well, you know, you, you know, this stuff, I'd been an experienced planner in one of the agencies I'd worked at, um, I was passionate about, a, you know, brands truly delivering on the promise. And so he said, why don't you come and do that? With me at Fortnum's and, and here I am. Um, and I've been here for seven and a half years. So um, hopefully I'm doing doing something right. Um, but that's my route to the quite odd, oddly titled role that I have. I love it. <laughs> it's incredible. I, t- I did ask at the beginning how long you've got because it's yeah. a long story.
0: <laughs> Super catch up. <laughs> well, there's quite a few things in there. And it's really great to hear that, that story. And um, I liked how you described everything as, you know, connecting the dots, um and you know in 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 some ways um there there might need to be more distance spanned um or have been distance spanned at, at Fortnum and Mason's and say Selfridges um because I, you were talking about the digital and the online experience um and i think to a lot of people Fortnum and Mason is 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 almost like it's a heritage brand um i yeah. think there's the there's the words out there which are like the world's oldest startup that kind of oxymoron and you know I wonder if you could unpack a bit about um working with you know a brand with such a rich heritage and then also being on the the online cutting edge side of of creating that that digital experience
2: yeah so I think it's um it's interesting when I joined you know much like everyone I'm a Londoner who'd known of Fortnum's, but hadn't really spent any time here. It wasn't, it wasn't for me. I didn't understand it. Um, and I didn't, I, I couldn't connect with it. And I, a lot of people, I think just think it's an old heritage brand, um, and, and don't understand its foundation and having been in the business for a little while and starting to unpick the foundation story of Fortnum & Mason, mm. um, for me, that's when it really came alive because the foundation story of Fortnum's is one of entrepreneurialism. It's one of being bold. um, It's being brave. It's innovating. It's uh, understanding your market. So when we all talk about, you know, in digital terms, big data, you know, back in 1707, someone had a bit of insight and data and they kind of did something meaningful with it. And so I got really excited by that. And the real essence, the human story of how this brand came to be. And then as I went through it, the kind of history of the business, understanding its real kind of highs and lows and moments of innovation. And that's when I got excited. And I said, this is a brand that's built on innovation and entrepreneurialism. And that spirit has seemingly been lost. Mm now now it was well at that time it was you know it was preserving it was about preservation and the heritage and things yeah. not really changing so then what we said about an agenda really on a very simple level to say right we're going to be more relevant to more people more often that's what we need to do and and the heart of all of that we're going to put innovation and we're going to put that spirit of bravery and having a point of view on the world and um creativity back into the into into the heart of what we're doing And I think, you know, we've got all different um, points of uh, examples where we've done that over the years. Um, But I think that's really where the essence of of the brand kind of started to come alive. Now, have we got a major digital transformation where you come in store and everything's digital screens and everything's QR codes and da, da, da. No, because that's not, yeah. that's, that wouldn't be right for our organization. Yeah. But we have gone through two re-platforms of our website. Um, in particular, you know, we've recently launched our WeChat mini program. We've recently launched, in fact, this morning, we launched on an app with our partners out in Hong Kong. So, hmm. so we are making making, you know, we are making change for the organisation that's digitally led. And I think what's really important is, and 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 in part, one of the upsides to me not being just digitally focused is too often you see organisations embrace digital and then it's like. Here's all the technology. Ah, yeah. And, and you walk in a store, and it's like you can't actually talk to someone. You can't find out where the stock is. You know yeah. all these things. So and yeah, I don't kind of look at it that way. What I do is I look at what is the brand promise to the customer. What is yeah. what is the experience the customer's going through, and where should technology play a part, and only then deliver out, um, you know, what the appropriate responses are. Um, and and you know, digital kind of. Even pre-COVID, is a significant contributor to, to, to Fortnum Mason. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there aren't many people that want to wander around uh, central London with a giant wicker basket, and we sell quite a few of those. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, naturally, naturally, as a as a as a gift business that sells yeah. large wicker baskets um, and lots and lots and lots of tea and biscuits, those things get ordered for people as gifts and delivered to their homes, and that's fantastic. So, I think. Um, that, hopefully that helps answer why I looked at it and said, you know what, this, this is like the world's oldest startup. It, mm. the, uh, the spirit of entrepreneurialism from the outset was there. And throughout, the, throughout its 312 year history, it's had to adapt and evolve and yeah. move with the times. And, and, and that's exactly what we need to keep, keep doing.
1: I think something that's quite incredible, what you were saying about innovation, innovation doesn't necessarily mean erasing what you've had beforehand and just blanket replacement. Right. And it's about tweaking and adjusting and being true to what has already existed, this foundation, right. That's been built up over so many years. And I, I keep on coming back to this thought of, you know, you know, experience and like an experienced retailer, because, When I think of Fortnum & Mason, for example, my experience, you know, I mean, now I would consider myself a Londoner, but then there will also be tourists. You've got this combination between local and domestic, people from different ages, different generations, right? Because on the one hand, it's something that I would gift people from far away, especially like, I don't know, the mother of a boyfriend at a time (laughs) or, you know, but it's also something that I've been gifted. So it's really incredible to think about experience and tailoring it to this vast demographic not only yeah. as different people but then like I'm sure there's also an influence on how you navigate the shops um, how you feel when you're yeah. inside of one um, and what you buy and I'm just really curious how you think about it do you have all these different potential customers in mind I guess there's narratives for each one of them how you can t- tailor an experience to them
2: Um, it's It's some and some, I would say. Some and some. (laughs) So, some and some. So, obviously, you know, as we've gone through quite a transformation over the last, you know, eight years, really, um, navigating that change whilst not ostracising existing customers has been has been a tightrope we've walked. I think, you know, I'll be really honest and say it's not based on a bunch of detailed personas personas or customer segmentation that we've done it it's been far more instinctive about who the brand is and how it shows up and so um we understand that this is a place where memories are made we, you know the physical building is a place where people will always look at you know the time they came with their grandmother and had their first Knickerbocker glory or they came in the first time at Christmas to see the Christmas windows and yeah. the kind of awe and I think you know it's about then making sure you have, you apply those different lenses to what you're doing, whether that be experiential or product. Um, we're really, really passionate about the food and the experiences that we give. And so making sure that comes through is important. And then there are moments in which you'll make a decision because it's right for the, the spirit of the brand. And you know it's only going to appeal to certain demographics. So for yeah. example, two examples of that would be um, a product we developed uh, a couple of years ago called the Tea Post. And this is um, it's tea by subscription, right? That uh, comes through the post, funnily enough. Uh, <laughs> and it's three teas every month and it's for, the subscription is for as long as you want. And that was specifically developed for a younger, a digitally led customer because we are passionate about drinking great tea. Loose leaf tea is the best way to, and the most sustainable way to drink tea. And how do we make sure that we are creating products that get out to people to introduce them to the brand? And so that was a, a development that we knew that what we didn't. We, it wasn't going to appeal to lots of our existing customers, but actually for a whole new audience, that's exactly what it did. Mm. And then the other one, which um, was a lot more fun and it shows the more playful side of the, of the brand was, uh, and it probably gave me one of the, you know, a real highlight in my in my time here was um, champagne popsicles. Fine. I mean, what, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> total everyone's like what and it's like no we're gonna sell champagne pops of course we are um why wouldn't we (laughs) and so it was you know like a a popsicle and and it was made with champagne and you know one day i woke up and they're on social media on cool hunter as fortnum and mason champagne pops well that for me was really really cool because it's taking you know a product that we love champagne finding a new way of doing something with it which is about innovation and creativity yeah packaging it, packaging it up in a way that people love to photograph and want to be seen with yeah and you know who would have ever a few years ago said fortland Mason would ever appear on cool hunter kind
1: of i love that that's <laughs> so smart and wild it's and and, and, and
2: i want one now <laughs> <laughs> so, sadly it's awesome so um yeah uh <laughs> off, season. Yeah. off season off but, season but i think it's you know that in, in at its heart is it's, it's be, the brand is playful it always has been playful mm. and it's about being able to show your show that side of it i think you know i've talked before about n- never being monotone you know mm. and i think so many brands can be monotone um it's about appropriate behavior, right? It's a bit like we all know that when we go and see the in-laws, we, beha- you know, it's best version of ourselves. And yeah. that might be, you know, how it is when you walk through the doors of Piccadilly and the carpet slows you down and you're t- overawed by the sparkly chandeliers or the gorgeous glacé fruits. And you're kind of in this sense of wonder. But then when you kind of get up a little bit more intimate, there's room to play and there's room to be more friendly and there's room to kind of... Um, yeah just be just be a, a little more playful and I think we try and try and create those balances and those highs and lows and points of interest throughout the piece
0: mm-hmm. yeah um, and it's certainly um, a place that I think we've all just um just sent people to experience <laughs> and be in the space right yeah like if you have tours yeah. to come visit London you like go there and <laughs> just go in <laughs> like not asking you to like go in and like you know buy a certain thing but you know if you want the ice creams on the first floor but <laughs> but you know people um really go there to be surrounded um mm. by everything um, and i wondered if you could um talk a bit about um this sort of input into that creative output um possibly along the lines of artistic collaborations along the lines of how um the uh, Fortnum & Masons can be like a platform on you know on which to gauge other um, uh, creatives or, or designers or to you know to, to um, I guess mix it up a little bit add new dimensions continue to keep inspired and be innovative
2: yeah so we've got a really rich history of working with artists whether it's Edward Borden, Rex Whistler and um, you know, there's a there's an army of of designers, illustrators, artists who have worked in and around the the, the business, and that that is really powerful for someone like me to kind of be inspired. Yeah. It also sets a really high benchmark because we, you know, we're fortunate enough to have an archivist, and when you kind of go through the archive of this extraordinary work that's gone before, you're like, well. Did what I do on Tuesday qualify as making it into the archive, or not yeah. really? <laughs> and so, and so you've you've kind of always got this big pressure of yeah. Are we doing work that is archive worthy? And whilst it is a pressure, it is also it sets you a really good kind of sense of direction of what of what good looks like. And I think a relentless pursuit of. Um, of being able to feel proud of what you're putting into the archive is incredibly, incredibly important. Mm. And then I think working with, um, you know, it's, as I say, there's an entrepreneurial spirit in the business and that's still true at the moment. And so being, being able to, um, do something like uh, one of the big art collaborations uh, we did uh, about three or four years ago. We started off a, a, a project called FXF, and that's Fortnum's and Frank. And this was born out of a lunch that the CEO had had with the um, eminent art collector Frank Cohen.
1: Yeah,
2: and he uh, he's not short of in coming forward, is Frank? And so he went <laughs> through our building, and he was like dismissive of our love of tea clipper paintings of which there's quite a few in the in the fortnum's collection and he said wouldn't it be great to see some modern art in here and we we are um nimble enough and um creative enough that we just went yeah okay then let's talk and actually you know roll forward about 18 months and in comes 25 million pounds worth of modern british art into the building all our art goes um in storage we had tracy Emin in the windows we had leon kossoff we had howard hodgkin you had uh, it, throughout the entire building so front here we are front of piccadilly with all this amazing modern art overlooking the royal academy yep <laughs> you know uh a Lynch Hadwick statue on the canopy a Nick Monroe cowboy statue on the third floor in the men's department. I mean, just, it was crazy. Um, and one of the things it was, and it was brilliant. You know, one of the things that we said is we didn't want, you know, someone said, well, we don't pick pieces that are too risque because you don't want to upset your customers. And I was like, whoa, hang on a minute. (laughs) There's always that someone. (laughs) what was was the point in us doing this if you could just smartly walk past and not notice anything had changed this is a moment where you want to provoke you want to see um how people respond and what a glorious thing to allow people to experience this art in such a different context to what they they're used to and the conversations that you'd have with customers and and you know Old, young, from all over the country, tourists who would who would come, and and we have a, we'd create a little brochure, and they'd come and they'd go around the store and look and seek all of the pieces to be able to see it in this completely different light. It was it was was brilliant. And then we did a few more of those, and then last year we did a um, a collaboration with the artist Sangon Lee, and yeah. you know it's just been it's been really phenomenal, and and it changes the game. It it comes back to what you said in terms of experience. Fortnum's isn't just a shop. Right, no. It's just, it's just not, and actually, to be able to create theatre and wonder and give more people reasons to seek us out and kind of change their perceptions of who and what we are all about is incredible. Um. So, so back to your question, Cliff. Like the the inspiration comes from all around, and the opportunities mm-hmm. come from all around. So you would get a creative in, in, input on that level, and then it might be that. You know, the project is about designing a piece of packaging for some biscuits or for some tea or um, any number of other products. And that's that inspiration and how we resolve that. You know, you always start with the product in and of itself and the heritage around that specific product. So tea, our, our rich history in tea and tea bending and the stories that go around that um and then look at why we're creating whatever it is we're creating and and you know for example last year we opened a store and a restaurant in hong kong yeah. and we we'd just done this big collaboration with on lee and we said well why don't we get him to work with us to create the artwork for the t and it's exclusive in hong kong and and that was you know that was born out of quite an over collaboration yeah. um but but things come from everywhere, and then and then there was another another piece where we um, we, we, work, we have an incumbent creative agency uh, that we work with, and we were talking about the richness of brand stories. So if you look at most brands nowadays, you know everyone wants transparency, authenticity, you know all about storytelling, and yet this yeah. brand has got so many stories and so much history that it's kind of um, sometimes a little overwhelming of how yeah. you get all of that out there. And we just said, you know. Isn't it frustrating that we've got all this richness and yet we can't seem to share it with people? So this is going back a few years now, but we then said, right, well, why don't we invest in an advertising campaign that reminds people of who we are and what we're about? Mm. So it not it isn't direct response, it's not just like here's Fortin and Mason, come to Piccadilly. It was a case of going, here's this royal blend tea, and did you know that this was made specifically at the request of King Edward and da da, da, da and and layering all the kind of the richness of that story? And so we ran that. Uh, every one every two weeks, we would run a ad in the Sunday Times that t- that picked a different story, yeah. and we would commission a different illustrator to to illustrate something from that story, uh, which was which was amazing. I mean, it was it was no <laughs> easy undertaking either because you know every word had to be brilliantly crafted. The, the illustrators had to be right for the product or the story then going through the, I mean, and, and you wanted to make sure that it, people stopped and, and would engage with this piece of content. But they were so powerful and so compelling, and it's such a great process that actually if you come to Piccadilly today, you'll see that we have made those in sculptural form, and they're in the windows. And Incredible. so to be able to yeah. work with all these artists and illustrators and their work really come to life in, in so many different ways, is just, it's an incredibly joyous job that I have. Nine times out of ten, have to do. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> there's there's several things that what you what you said that I wanted to unpack um, or just like highlight, and I think it's really interesting. You know, we're talking about like artistic collaborations, the broad range. How on the one hand you'll have an illustrator who you're working with, and then on the other hand, like a world-renowned fine quote-unquote artist like Zhang Li or Tracy yeah. Emin, and there's a spectrum, and that just is beautifully illustrative of um, accessibility and just being open and you know the broad spectrum and it's actually quite reflective of you know Fortnum and Mason and like all the different items that you have and the people that you, you 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 cater to but another aspect that I was thinking about a million years ago when I was studying history of art we studied the display of art and you know the display of art was always you know, the, how, how does it differ to have it in a commercial gallery versus a museum versus a biennial? And of course, you know, never did it come up, you know, the idea of a store, right?
2: Next to the um, biscuits. Next to the
1: biscuits. <laughs> but the thing is, is that right now, and this is what I think is so brilliant. It's that, it, you know, you've got galleries and I can, from having come from a commercial gallery background, you know, the, people struggle to have visitors, People like they have to invite people to come and see the art, right? And even like with certain museums. I mean, London, I guess, doesn't have so much that that "quote unquote" issue. But it's just like, how do we gain access? Like, how do we how do we encourage access? But then you've got a retail spot, and it's just so obvious. It's so perfect hmm. because people are going in there, and then if they discover something new. I would really love to see the course rewritten to include display of art. Um, And this as a prime example, sorry, this is just like, I was just picking up on this and I just think it's so, it's so brilliant. And on top of that, like being across from the Royal Academy, right. And it, and it's kind of, you could see the same, some of the same art directly across the street, but then the experience of it is going to be so different, you know, coming back to experience.
2: I mean on that po- point I, one of the things that I always you know maybe romanticize a little in my own mind, but the Lynn Chadwick sculpture that that came in for that exhibition we actually um retained and is still on the canopy today and so I love the fact that you know on a cold, bleak winter's morning uh, uh, you know to think of someone on the top deck top deck of the number twenty four bus going down Piccadilly, they get the most extraordinary view of that amazing piece you
0: know, yeah. You know, mm-hmm.
2: it's just that really, I, I I love the thought that that's what happens for people, particularly when it's you know we are seen as a shop. No, the physicality of who we are and what we're about, and mm-hmm. then and then the generosity almost of spirit of kind of buying this piece and leaving it there for people to enjoy, if they just look up um, or look out the window, is is you know uh, yeah. I yeah as I say quite romantic uh, about it. No, I love
1: it. Um, and I wanted to slightly pivot um the conversation because I have so many ideas on this. On, but I I, want to get this question through. I mean, right now, you know, you hear a lot about speaking footfall, how there's less footfall in shops and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, you know, if you could maybe share with us a couple of your thoughts um about the future of retail, right? And I guess this is something that, you know, you're 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 agile, um, so you really have that spirit. So that's good news. Yep. <laughs> um um but, you know, maybe and, and I guess it's gonna be really different for every single store and brand, but like what are certain things that you're thinking about um maybe right now? Um Yeah. but
2: well know. I think I think it's a you know it's a great question and I mean we're all faced with a radical rethink of of our lives and the way we operate in our cities. And I think that's, you know, it's going to be something we um, see the effects of for many, many, many years to come. Um, From a Fortnum and Mason perspective, you know, we fundamentally always are passionate about the quality of the product that we have and the quality of the experience. And and one of the things that was amazing is as a food brand, we were able to open up earlier. So we opened up in May. And, you know, we had customers come in who literally would stand in the middle of the shop floor and clap for the guys and girls that work here because they were so so overwhelmed to be out of home and coming into what is a very, very, very safe uh, environment um, and being able to experience that joy and the richness and the warmth. So that's been incredible. Um, And we, you know, we were on a very practical level doing things like, you know, Christmas is an incredibly busy time for us. Um, And And people might be thinking that, oh, you know, it's going to be quite busy or it's it's always quite a tussle. Um, So we've moved our Christmas food department and we've taken other product out and we've made sure that there's much more space so that people can shop safely. Irrespective of whether we're socially distancing at two metres or one metre, at least there's loads of space and that we can create as as a beautiful, welcoming and safe environment for, for people as we possibly can. And we also believe that there is that little mm-hmm. bit of people will, no matter what happens, people want some level of normality or some level of um, joy or kind of otherworldliness, right? Let's all kind of escapism. Escapism yeah. is probably the right bit, word. A little
1: bit of magic,
2: you know. Yeah, and, just... and f- people come to Fortnum's for that anyway. So, you know, what what better time to then yeah. come a- around that that time? Um, so I think, you know, really it's about amazing product, amazing experience, adapting and evolving to, to make sure everyone and, and, and most importantly your staff feel really safe and secure and that you're putting their so interests first. Yeah. Because actually, you know, they are the they are the front line for the brand once the customers walk through the door. And if they're not feeling comfortable and confident, then it will it will show. So we've we've spent a lot of time making sure that we're we're doing the right right thing there. Um and then longer term it's a case of, you know, we will see Without doubt, brands fall by the wayside as people, uh, as footfalls lower, footfall lowers. Uh, But we will also, you know, people crave social interaction. Mm. People crave experience and learning. So when you've got a physical entity like Fortnum's where you can create Events or engagement, and you can do things together, whether it is eating a knickerbocker glory or having afternoon tea together um, or, or having a meander in a browse through the, the kind of glassy confectionery. Um, I think people will still want to come for those, for those things. Yeah. They may, they will, and they may um, shop more online, but that's okay too, because everything's got a role to play. So I think, you know, in short, it's a... Uh, I always talk about, you know, make sure you know who you are as a brand. We, you know, brands will talk and, and retailers will talk about obsessing about customers. And yes, you do need yeah. to do that. But actually, if you don't know who you are and what your spirit is, then you're yeah. in a hiding to nothing. Yeah. And so differentiation and being able to make sure you've got a differentiated point of view in the world, I think is incredibly important. I think oh, there's loads of like really practical things like, cleanliness and safety of transport into London you know the congestion charge at the weekends is 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 keeping people out which is awful and we've got to work through all of those practicalities but um you know otherwise we are going to have a a ghost town but I think uh I think you know for what it's worth people will seek out Fortnum's and and uh, you know in part the the digital part of the job is to make sure that we tell as many people how wonderful it is and and how safe it is and how Worthwhile it is to come and experience the the physical space of Fortnite.
0: and in in a way, those sort of like uh, experiences and sort of reminders of the experiences that people have are like ever ever more important. And I just wanted to pick up on some of because we've talked a lot about experience, um, as it's also in your job title. (laughs) (laughs) What you do? Very long title. Yeah, (laughs) but. uh, you know, people have talked about, um, you know, there being the experience economy um, and uh, and people then also people, these people um, <laughs> talk about, um, you know, lifestyle brands yeah. and so forth. And then, um, you know, because of um, COVID, uh, th- one of the effects being an acceleration towards, um, you know, technology and the digital and And there's always these sort of like arcs and and kind of macro ways of thinking about different shifts in um you know not only the retail but also the social landscape and i and I wondered if um any of those had particular purchase for you or whether you know whether you saw us as being in in one of those phases or or moments in relation to um you know the customers as you were saying
2: yeah, I mean we saw an extraordinary um Flip into our online business as as we went into lockdown. You know, unsurprisingly, people were Mm -hmm. sending each other gifts and you know telling people they're thinking of them and you know stocking up on on their provisions at home. What we've also seen evidence of is if you're going to be at home and life just your your world and your experience and your life just got a little bit tighter and narrower, then I'm going to treat myself to the really lovely bottle of wine. I'm not going to wait for that to be a, a occasion. I do outdoors because I wasn't able to go out or I am going to create my own rituals so we've had loads of customers who told us like actually for them throughout lockdown they created an afternoon tea moment and I'm not talking about high tea I'm talking about just taking time out from their day away from their desk away from their computer to make a proper pot of tea with a strainer and have a biscuit and just take that that became like a real ritual for people um oh, and that's so a really i think good
0: the stability that that yeah, it offers yeah, yeah, yeah. in in the kind of moment yeah. of crisis and
2: yeah. as, it's the kind of being kind to yourself it's it's about taking time for yourself also the quality of what you're consuming kind of yeah. not being shy to improve on that and then creating those little moments of interaction and i think you know that it's such an incredibly powerful um and needed part of who we are as as humans those so social interactions rituals uh, traditions, safety um that it's, un- it's it's kind of not surprising that the, the humble cup of tea and a biscuit can can form a, a such a central part of that um but i also think you know as i said we when we reopened the absolute joy people had we had a queue out the door people and you kind of mm-hmm. think that Really, the first place you were going to come it was going to be Fort Mason, and actually, people came to do, came because they wanted escapism, and and then of course our people who wanted to pick up their amazing beef that they loved buying from the butcher downstairs. But actually, it was a, for a lot of people, it was about a bit of a escapism, you know. Will will kind of you read. As, as you say, Cliff, these people write these things about these big dramatic <laughs> moments. But you read about how it's all the death of the high street, and, and uh, you know, as, as a digital person, I've been reading about that for <laughs> a long time. You know, and actually, I think it's really, um, it's really naive, and I think it's scaremongering that 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 one one channel can can usurp another. People, human beings, will want interaction. If you create a beautiful space and event, a, a, an experience that allows people to come together and share and learn, whether it's what we do or what a another brand does, whether it's you know playing pool or um, you know darts clubs, whatever those mm. things are, yeah. um, people will always seek those things out. And I, so, I don't think it's at one at the expense of the other. Does that answer? It does. It does. And it I completely does. agree
1: with you. And I, I, you know, that, that, that's scaremongering. I, yeah.
2: I mean, the, the brutal reality is we are going, you know, the high street's not going to be the same as it once was. Um, but we will evolve and adapt and, and... and
1: But this is why particular experiences are more important than ever. Because it also becomes a destination. And it mm-hmm. becomes, you know, you, 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 you go and you enjoy... Right, I think, and I think yeah. actually, enjoy and this word "joy" that you've brought up several times—it's um, more crucial than ever. Yeah, Zia, um, so yeah, we have more questions, but we're going to ask you our one final question, which we ask all our guests, um, and that's—and <laughs> <uh-oh. laughs> it's what creative inspiration do you have
2: for our listeners? Ooh, what creative inspiration? I that's a huge question and I think my creative inspiration uh, comes from being and never stopping being curious
0: mm.
2: and interrogating and asking why and <laughs> learning and where you know we we've been I think we've all been doing a bit more of that in, in these times so whether it's content consumption through the form of listening to a podcast like yeah, this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the fortnum's hungry minds podcast which yeah. is great too <laughs> or um being you know taking that walk in your neighborhood and looking up and seeing things you have or everyone's taken for granted is really the kind of wet the source for me of, of being curious uh, and 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 that creative inspiration i could say on a very practical level you know i think what well, uh, um it's it's an amazing time to go and see art galleries and museums because it's actually quite quiet it's an amazing time to get on an open tour open top bus and go and see your city because it is quite quiet it's an amazing time to um go and experience uh the kind of architectures of places or parks. Um but, but you know ultimately it's about just keeping curious and and understanding that that that's fuel. It's complete fuel. Being being curious is complete fuel. Yeah.
0: Love it. Really, really good answer. Um thanks so much for that. Um everybody who's listened to this will know that they need to go to Piccadilly in London <laughs> to find <laughs> your physical store <laughs> to experience it in person. But we also just wanted to ask um, for people around the world, um, but also everyone else, um, what, uh, where do you want to point people in, in terms of finding out um, some of the latest info um, uh, on, on your different channels?
2: So we are on fortnummason.com. You can follow us on Twitter and on um Instagram at Fortnum's and uh, you can find our Fortnum's Hungry Minds podcast on Spotify, Acast or any other podcast broadcasting uh, service that you choose to use. Um, But they are where we are at. And if you're in Hong Kong, please come and visit us at K11 Musea and go for afternoon tea at 181, which is the restaurant above the store. Beautiful.
0: Oh, yeah, thanks. Hungry minds connects to curiosity right there. <laughs> Very good.
1: Very good. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, um, Zia, for coming and speaking with us. Um, thank you. And you know, thanks to everyone um, who's been listening to this. And join us next time for more creative chat.
0: Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.